The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their organizations and help them develop strategies, processes, and leadership practices to leverage those trends to create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author of an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organizations. I also work as an adjunct faculty member in universities in the U.S. and Germany. So we talk about the rate of change often on this show and specifically how forward-leaning leaders are transforming themselves and the organizations to ensure that they thrive long-term so that they're not only meeting these challenges, but that they are, in fact, setting the best practices as they navigate the rate of technology change and the rate of social change. And this is probably never more prominent than uh, listening to the election in the U.S. and thinking about, uh, for either party, what does effective leadership look like and how do we position ourselves to respond, uh, whatever the election brings us. So our guest today is Paul Pierce, and I'm delighted for Paul to be joining us. He serves as the president of Leadership. It's a nonprofit organization located in Champaign, Illinois. Leadership has been providing integrity-based leadership experiences for over 75,000 participants across the country and internationally for the last 35 years. Their organizational mission is to help create a just, caring, thriving world where all lead with integrity and live in possibility. We actually interviewed one of Paul's board members uh, last week, and that's Carla Panessa. And so Carla gave us different uh, conversation on leadership, but all pointing to how do we leverage what is possible and bring that into our reality and the reality of our organizations. So I want this Voice America series to provide valuable information to leaders and emerging leaders, preparing them to lead organizations that are in flux. Most of us are facing fairly dynamic times. And so the question is, what do we need to change about who we are and what we do to allow us to continue to thrive? Because as we thrive, our organizations thrive. 
So in addition to sharing models and experiences, my hope is that, that each of you as listeners will hear something in this conversation today with Paul that you can try on and experiment with over the next weeks. And Paul's going to be talking a lot about possibility. So my question to you will be, what are the possibilities you experience and see for yourself and your organization? And I would say, what what is that stretch, not just what I can truly see and is likely, but what's out there as uh, more distant, and then how do I make that turn into reality? So as part of the Executive Insight Series, Paul will talk about the ongoing impact he has and his organization has with young and emerging leaders, focusing on identifying what's possible in their lives and bringing that into action. By shifting our mindset to what is likely or our limitations from that to what's possible, leaders can generate a significantly greater results in the world and also more fulfilling. So, Paul, welcome. I'm delighted that you were able to join us. Well, Maureen, I appreciate the invitation and looking forward to the conversation today. Me too. Let's start with, before we jump into possibilities, yeah. what brought you to leadership and uh, what possibility is that fulfilling in you? It's uh, a great question. Um, uh, I, uh, my background is in higher education, so I worked in student affairs uh, for about 12 years before getting connected to leadership, and I'd always heard of the organization of leadership and the work they had done. They were uh, somewhat unique in that leadership provided an, uh, an immersion experience of an institute for six days, which was uh, somewhat different than, uh, than a lot of programming that was going on on college campuses back in the 80s. So in, in hearing that, I actually um, was working at the University of Illinois and was invited to serve as a small group facilitator in the program. And uh, of course, I was trying to talk myself out of it uh, the day before because, you know, I'm so busy and everybody's got everything that's going on. Uh, and it's a whole week, you know, to be able to, to devote to this conversation. <clears throat> and something happened in that conversation that really changed, I think, my approach to my work and to uh, my approach to leadership. Um, I was with uh, nine other young people um, from the United States, all across the United States, and we were uh, having conversations about things that I never really had time uh, to talk about with college students on campuses. Uh, it seems to me that a lot of students these days, a lot of young people, get little increments in, uh, of time from people that are their advisors, people that coach them, people that are helping them make good decisions. And here I was having six days uh, to have conversations with folks uh, that just got to a, a different level. And in that conversation, I started to think about my job and my role on college campuses and found that I typically was spending about 5% uh, of my time on the top uh, students that would come by that really didn't need my help much, and then about 5% of my time uh, down on the, um, the students that probably um, were struggling with their participation in a college and university. And I was really missing the chunk of folks in the middle and really found the leadership was a great uh, opportunity to do that. Um, and I felt that that's the conversation that I wanted to be in. I think a lot of times as it relates to possibility is that we take on jobs and we're, we're uh, in organizations and then we, we try to compartmentalize the parts that we enjoy and the parts that we don't. And I had an opportunity to come in, uh, and work at Leadership after that experience uh, in doing the things that I love doing 24-7, 365, and to, and to be in these conversations of possibility. Um, so I, I consider myself to be quite lucky, Maureen. I consider you to be quite lucky, too, and me as well, that I got to meet you as 
for just a brief experience as one of the executives in residence, which was an absolute delight and an honor for me to, to participate with such an interesting and impactful program. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're we're quite fortunate that people say, uh, say some uh, pretty positive things about the experience. So let's jump into the questions. Why is it so? First of all, we're going to be talking about possibility. How yeah. are you defining um, what does it mean to live in possibility? Yeah, I, I think, um, and wow, the timing of this conversation could not be any better, I, I think, um, because uh, there are so many things that we see these days in, in social media. Uh, in fact, I've I had to get off Facebook a couple times because of the election, right? You just mm. you hear so much about what is wrong uh, with the world, so much of what is not happening, and that we typically start to think about voting um, for the, the candidate that we don't want to come in instead of the people that we want to be uh, in positions, and I think this election is, is no different. Um, one of the, the things that I, that I think quite often about living in possibility is, is expecting the best, about having uh, high expectations about what we can do uh, both individually and collectively as, as teams. And I think that's hard, I, and I think it's hard for a, a number of reasons. I think that it's hard to live in possibility because a lot of people don't want to um, have those expectations. It's a lot easier to reach low expectations or no expectations uh, in our lives. And so when we're confronted with uh, the power of, of living in possibility, that uh, that can, um, can be daunting and can, and can uh, create um, situations for folks that they feel a little bit less than or they feel that their lives are not as full of meaning as they could be. So one of the, one of the great things um, for me about living in possibility is to have that expectation that we can do anything that we put our minds to, um, that we are the ones that can control our viewpoint, uh, our perspective, uh, we have choice, and we can always choose to be able to, to live in possibility and to lead in possibility. One of my, my favorite leadership quotes is by Warren Bennis um, from one of his many books, and it's only four words, and I, I speak of it often, and, and those four words are that leadership is a choice. Uh, and I believe that we have that choice to make about um, uh, how we show up in the world and, and what results we're able to be a part of creating. So to me, that's living in possibility. And I think it is one of, if not the, primary role of a leader is to help create that environment where our employees, our group members, um, uh, individuals, that we feel that we have that possibility in our lives, that we can do uh, anything uh, with a healthy disregard for the impossible. I love that, and I'm going to tie what you're talking about with regard to possibility to um, one of our sh other guests yeah. uh, who happens to be an adjunct uh, researcher at Harvard who also talks from the organizational perspective about uh, possibility, and his research absolutely supports your, your work, uh, suggesting that as an organization, the most effective, the most highly engaged live in a space of possibility and then, and you're going to talk about this later, I know, bring what is possible so we don't live in a, a dream world and we're yeah. not just fantasizing, but I take what's possible and I create process and structure around it and then I deliver results. So, so I bring what the biggest possibility imaginable to me into reality through a series of structures and processes so, so that 
what we deliver is much bigger than what um, what many people think is even practical. Uh, of course, you know there's uh, the concepts of uh, of stretch goals, right? And and Jack Welch and a lot of his his work was, you know, when we're able to to see possibility and reach for things that we have no idea how we'd be able to accomplish them, even if we fail in that endeavor, and by failure I, I mean that in kind of quotes that we just don't hit that expectation, we still are able to achieve amazing results, and and we're still able to experience growth. And, and probably more importantly, in, in a mindset of possibility. Uh, I think when we start from a, an area of scarcity and that we can't do that and that's not possible, um, then it limits our creativity, li- limits our ability to really reach and to see what, 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 we're, what we're able of doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, the word scarcity, because, again, I go back to Jim's model. Um, yeah. And that's one of the words he uses. When we, when we see what's possible within us and others and the organization, that then frees us up to be more creative and take more risk. If, if I'm not seeing what's possible, then I, I'm not even looking to create or take risk to implement something that's big. I'm just sitting in the doing my job. Mm, so true. And, and I love the word you're using about risk. Um, I, I think uh, these days, uh, I think in society in general, we're pretty risk adverse. Um, and, and it's very easy for us to maintain our comfort zones. You know, I can uh, maintain who I hear from uh, through my social media outlets. I can um, watch two different versions of the, the news if I go to Fox News or MSNBC, right? And, mm-hmm. and so it's very easy for me to surround myself with people that think and act like I do. And so then, then that comfort zone then I think um, uh, can get pretty comfortable, right? I mean, we just sit there yeah. and we can hear what we want to hear and, and we know that people are, are not going to tell us anything different. And, and, and that's a problem. Uh, I think that, that that concept of risk that you mentioned is, is huge and something that I'm not seeing as much um, uh, as we used to. You know, it's interesting, and I hadn't pulled this together like I am as, as we're speaking, mm-hmm. but, you know, when I started working, people did have jobs for longer. The, the people yeah. weren't let go as often. So I didn't have the same concerns about, quote, getting fired or getting yeah. let go. And I, I was freer to experiment and try new things and really push myself. And it seems now that, that there's an ongoing concern because of, of the dynamic nature of organizations in general that in many places we, it is risky to try new things. You bet. You bet. Well, or to um, you know to stand out, um, to to do anything that's that's out of the expected. Um, I think, and I, I think it's hard. I also think that that's what we crave. You know, I think the, a piece of this possibility is that um, you see things differently, and when leaders and organizations can risk and do something unique, and it gets people's attention now probably more than ever. Um, and, and I would like to think that that, that kind of um, pattern interrupt, if, if you will, is, is okay. something that, that releases, uh, unleashes all kinds of energy um, and all kinds of possibility in terms of what we're capable of doing. So can you give an example of a pattern interrupt, I love that term, yeah. that, that you've seen that really unleashed something brilliant? Um, sure. You know, I, I think, and I'll use a, a leadership example in, in particular. 
Um, I, I think there's a, there's a danger of a lot of ego uh, in, in leadership, and that's kind of a no-duh comment, right? Everybody <laughs> can appreciate yeah. and, and understand that. Well, you know, leadership was the victim of that, I, I think, as well. You know, I, I think in the, in the 80s and 90s, uh, we used to conduct our institute here in Champaign, Illinois, at a site that we thought was exceptional and, and perfect. Um, and then we started to be contacted by a lot of other campuses, a lot of other organizations wanting to, in many ways, kind of franchise the experience, right? Can we come to them uh, to do that? And we really just decided, no, there's, there's, uh, there's no way you can replicate the, the, the way we do things here. And we missed a lot of opportunities. Um, and so then what we needed to do is to take a risk. And we did that. In 1992, we partnered with the University of Michigan in trying to uh, establish the program there. And it opened up um, a whole world to us that now that's the majority of what we do is partnering with other people instead of having people come to us. And, and without that barrier, without that, that thought of what could happen if we did this, we, we probably would still be here uh, in Champaign just doing that, that program. And it would be a much smaller, far, far less impact. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and the perspective of everything would be different. Very cool. So let's take a break now. This is Paul Pierce and Maureen Metcalf, and we're talking about leadership and the art of possibility in our lives. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back. This is Maureen Metcalf. I'm Paul Pierce, and we're talking about the art of possibility. So what's the importance of adapting to the attitude of possibility? So it's more than just a uh, practice. It's actually I change the way I think. Yeah, I, I think that um, one of the things that people, uh, I believe, uh, struggle with is that we're all skeptics. Um, I, I think that, that um, leaders, anybody uh, that we listen to now in, in the media, I mean, everybody can write a blog and everybody, um, you know, believes in themselves to be, to be an expert. And I, I think that one of the things that, that is important is, is how we uh, adopt this, this place of, of openness, of challenge, of risk and of living um, and, and leading and thinking in this area of possibility. Um, that skepticism, I think, is a barrier uh, to that. And so uh, adapting and creating this, uh, this attitude, I think, opens up all kinds of different ways of thinking of others. Um, you know, for example, uh, I used to hate small talk in, uh, in, in mm-hmm. small groups and, and raising yeah. money for leadership and doing that. Um, and, I, and I tried then to, to change my, my approach to that is that instead of sitting there and dreading that, what can I learn about this? What is and what could I find out that's new here? Instead of just thinking that, you know, whoa, I have to ask people for money, right, that that's my, mm-hmm. my main purpose, but to really just start getting um, in, in the habit of asking questions. And so I, I think that that is an example for me of an, an attitude and an, an adopting an attitude of possibility is that when we enter into situations, why can't they be fun? Uh, why can't we enjoy ourselves? Why can't they be a win-win? Um, why can't we look in that uh, in, in a different way? And, and that takes uh, time. It takes, um, it takes perspective. It also takes, I think, a lot of thinking. You know, a, a lot of what I try to do is really surround myself with great questions. And I think that questions uh, properly phrased and, and, and good questions can change our whole perspective. And, and by questioning and by thinking in that way, I think it helps to adopt this, this attitude that you walk around through the world about why, you know, or can that be better or, you know, what's really going on here. Um, there's a great book that I, I read by Dove Seedman called How, uh, and it's about, um, there, there's a subtitle that I can't remember right now, but basically what he's talking about is, is how we do things is much more important than what we do. And I think that speaks directly to attitude. I, I think it, it is not this, you know, just kind of rah-rah motivation piece. It's a, which there's nothing, you know, wrong with that, I think, in general. But I, I think that because we have been inspired quickly uh, by people, and that usually kind of fades off after a while, we're the ones responsible for developing that attitude. And so looking at how I go about my day, how I interact with people, how I create culture uh, in my organization sometimes is even more important than the what. Um, people are always watching us, right, especially mm-hmm. in a leadership place. And, uh, and I think that's, that's crucial uh, to, to, to showing and embracing this attitude. You know, I really appreciate that several things come to mind, um, making the distinction that it's not just a rah-rah, because I think many yep. of us have, have bumped into someone who can walk by, give a pep talk, go away, and um, that, that excitement deflates pretty quickly. It's not sustainable. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think that, you know, a lot of uh, when you speak about attitude or possibility, people do go to that. Um, so, you know, I, I agree. I think we all see it. And I think that leads to that skepticism. And then we start to think that that's not authentic. And then we start to go in this, this downward spiral uh, of really um, uh, thinking that no one is, is authentic. No one is really living and thinking about things in that way. And, um, and then it just, I think, perpetuates itself. Yeah, I've been reading recently about the art of practice and also the, a lot on brain research and just this idea that to make the change from being skeptical to being positive really requires ongoing practice, that I am not just saying, oh, today I'm going to be positive, but I am physiologically rewiring the neural pathways of my brain. And so for a while, it's going to be tough. And I'm, I'm really going to have to give a very deliberate focus on, you know, checking in, seeing how I'm doing, and being conscious of what is my thinking. Otherwise, I fall back into those old patterns really easily. Oh, for sure. You sound exactly like you've talked to my good friend Carla Panessa. Uh, Carla and I, <laughs> Carla, Carla and I, have talked often about um, you know the the work that we're finding in terms of resiliency. And I know that's not our topic mm-hmm. now, but but, but I think one of the I, I love this topic. Well, I, I, I love it as well, too, and I think they all relate to one another. And, and one of the things that I pick up from that work is you know, exactly what you said about what we focus on, you know, what we pay attention to. And, and then not only what we pay attention to, but then how do we interpret that? So, you know, as, as um, in an organization or as a leader or someone working in, uh, w- with a group, you know, what is it that we pay attention to? Are we able to pay attention to the things that are happening right in front of us? And that um, when we do that, as you were saying, Maureen, is that you know, the research finds that you know, what, what, um, what fires together wires together, right? Mm-hmm. So in our brain, what we focus on gets stronger. It actually physically gets bigger uh, in our brain when we're doing those kinds of things. So uh, I, I think paying attention and, and, and being able to, to recognize that we have the ability to create those habits uh, and those thought patterns is, is crucial. Yeah, one of my closest friends, whenever I talked to her, instead of saying, how was your day, she shifted that question only slightly, and it took me a long time to realize how, why I enjoyed talking so much. And the question wasn't, how was your day? It was, what was best about your day? And conversations were always, or almost, I mean, we still had stuff goes wrong and we deal with it, sure. but it more often focused on what was going well than what was going wrong. And then the chemical released in my brain, back to the resilience idea, I'm actually releasing different chemicals, and so I end up feeling better than had I been talking about what went wrong. Oh, definitely. And I, and I think we've all, when, when we talk about this, this attitude of possibility, I, I think that that's important as we engage just in conversations with one another. Um, when, when we embrace that attitude, I think we are, we are cueing our brain to look for what is, what is positive, what is good in this. You know, there's uh, appreciative inquiry and, and that concept mm-hmm. of what we're looking for is what's good here. And uh, that is contrary to pretty much everything else that we're getting uh, exposed to on a daily basis on the internet, um, in the news, other media, is what's wrong, because what, that sells, right? So people want to want to watch that. Mm-hmm. And so it is hard um, for us to be able to, to turn that focus away, but it's imperative. I mean, we, we've got to find ways to, 
to, to take it upon ourselves to create that, um, that habit. So let me um, ask the question from the, the lens of the skeptic. Yeah. So I come out of consulting, so does our friend Carla, and we're paid to find problems. Mm-hmm. And yet, sure. um, and you're on a university campus, or you were, and, and again, part of your role is to identify what can go wrong and, and address it, and yet all of us are talking about living in possibility. How mm-hmm. do those, how do they mash up? Because, and what I want people to hear is just because we're living in a space of possibility doesn't mean we're living in the airy-fairy world of non-reality and glitter and, you know, fairy dust. Uh, so true. You know, I, I think that's that's one of the reasons why, you know, at Leadership we talk about a healthy disregard for the impossible. Okay. Um, and that we've, you know, is that it's not uh, an unrealistic regard for the impossible, right, or this approach, and we've kind of morphed that into to living in, in, in possibility. Uh, I think that um, what's, what's, what's important, I think, to do that is to acknowledge and to at least be open that this is hard work. You know, what, one of the things that, that I am disappointed about is, quite often when anybody says this is hard work, you can see their face kind of cringe up um, mm-hmm. because hard, right? That that's something that's, that's difficult, that's taxing, that's, that's not going to be worthwhile. And I think we need to start adopting the, the mindset of that's okay. Like hard is good. Arguing is good. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And, and I yeah. think we have, we have avoided hard. I mean, technology has surrounded us in trying to make our lives easier. Um, and in many ways it has made it harder, but the way we look at that um, is, is, is if there's already an existing problem. Um, I, I can't remember the last time that I've had a good argument with somebody and then went out for a beer afterwards. And I, and I think that's because we take things so personally. So I think in working on a, on a college campus is to try to have that, that even keel of how do we um, understand and address that there's problems, there's issues to address, but this is how we could go about it, right? Like, wouldn't it be great if, I think is a great question. And so that way we're not completely dismissing uh, the problem or, or our approach or what's not working, but, but we're coming at it from a, wouldn't it be great to look at it this way? Um, and that brings people along. I think that I think there's an invitation uh, to that. And I think with my work with young people, I think that's what I spend most of my time doing is making invitations um, of how, you know, would you like to do this? You know, is there ways that we can do this together? What about this? Um, so that when we're asking those kinds of questions, people can, can tend to, to focus on the problem if they want, which unfortunately I think t- a lot of times they do, mm-hmm. or they can start to look at it from a different lens. You know, you hit something, and I, I want to build on that, and, and it's the idea of hard work. So I just yeah. finished reading the book Peak as I'm uh, trying to build my uh, own yeah. personal practice and improve. Mm-hmm. And one of the things his research talked about that I found interesting is this idea of practice and of all the world-class musicians and artists and athletes and people they've talked to, they all talked about practice being hard. That it looks like when I watch someone who's an expert in something, it it seems like they magically got there, and I'm Mm -hmm. just the one, you know, dragging myself through quicksand. But it sounds like for everyone, this stuff is hard. It's not fun, and what really differentiates us is those of us who get up in the morning and say, "Yep, it's going to be hard, and I'm going to do it anyway." 
Yeah. Uh, it's the kind of pull up your big girl panties for men that's obviously <laughs> different. But, you bet. You know, you bet. stop your whining and get to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think that in, in, in my um, experiences, I think much, much like yours, Maureen, you know, I was an athlete in college, and so I think some of the athletic mindset was, you know, you, you practice hard, right? You, you get dirty, mm-hmm. you, you sweat, you, you put yourself in situations that are harder than what you'll face when you're in a, in a competition. And, and I think that, that that's a benefit. I, I also, though unfortunately, I think in, in particular with young people, is that, you know, we, we really coddle, I think, a lot of folks this time um, in society, and it, we make it very difficult for people to fail. And, and therefore, when they're scared of failing or they don't feel they can fail or they don't think they can face um, hard work or, or perseverance or persistence and, and anything that's truly important to them, they quit. And, uh, and and they avoid it. And so one of the things I think as leaders is we've got to help them be okay with that. You know, we have to let them know that sometimes just the hard work and the process of it is valuable, invaluable. Whether you reach your goal or not, there, there's lessons learned. Um, there, are, there are things that you're better for because of that experience of, of wrestling with something. Um, I know that the things I value most in my life are the things that did not come easy. Uh, the things that came easy to me sometimes feel very disposable. Um, but I, I remember those. I remember the hard relationships. I remember the hard conversations. I remember the the, the, the projects that, that took me a long time to figure out and do. Um, and I feel that those are what develop our character. Those are the things that develop, uh, you know, the essence of who we are. Is there one that you can share with us that was, is particularly challenging? Because, again, I think people look at someone who's a president or a CEO or an executive mm-hmm. and it, it's hard to imagine how difficult your path was to get there because you're there and it looks you make it look easy. <laughs> well, uh, you hope, right? But I, I, <laughs> along, along those lines, I think it's um, – and, and then I'm, I'll come back to your question. One of the things that, that I've struggled with in my, in my role at Leadership is that um, because I have this title of president and because our, our programs are so impactful for so many people, that a lot of that is attributed to me. And I had you know, some things to do with it, but not, it's, solely, it's not solely my work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I did. And I think it really came to fruition about the, the struggle of perspective when one of our participants was talking about, you know, they, they have bracelets that say, you know, what would Jesus do, depending on your, your religious background with it. Mm-hmm. And someone developed a what would Paul do bracelet. <laughs> and it just blew me away that I was being seen in this way of, of, of kind of perfect, like a role model, like you should do that. And I started to put a lot of pressure on, right, that you needed to, you know, have the perfect marriage, you need to have the 2.5 children, you need to have all these kinds of things to put in a row. And then I, I finally started realizing that that's hard. That is, that is difficult to try to put on something that you're not. And maybe what I could do even better is, is admit that not everything works well for me. Um, you know, I, I struggle. I struggle in my relationships. You know, I struggle wanting to be a good father. Um, I struggle wanting to, um, you know, trying to stay in shape. I just turned 50 this last year. And so, you, you know, those kind of benchmark birthdays make you think that. Um, and so I think one of the things that, that I started to do was to really think about the, the, the fundamentals of who I am. 
and really thinking about, you know, what are those those core values that are that are mine, and, and wrestle with those concepts. You know, what is the persona or the characters that I've played in my life so far, and are those really me? Um, and how do I, um, you know, address that or, or or think about that? Is that who I really want to be, kind of going forward uh, in the, in the future? One, uh, just a, a quick story, as you were asking for in the beginning. You know, when I was working on a, on a college campus, once I had a, a staff that worked for me, and um, there were students and great students, great people that were there, and I really felt that I knew how to do everything, and I really knew that, that you know my way was the right way, uh, and I practically had a mutiny on my staff. Um, they uh, were not buying into what I was saying, doing whatever, and and one of the things that I I, I got clear with is I just needed to apologize. Um, and I pulled them all in one at a time and just said, I'm sorry. You know, I've been trying to do something that just that works for me but not for anybody else. And that took me about a year working with them to try to develop a relationship that was based more on authenticity and more on um, me not having all the answers, um, which I think is a common trap that a lot of leaders fall into. Um, I, I think they really are seen to have all the, the answers and, uh, and to be all-knowing, all-thinking, and perfect with that, and that doesn't happen. And, and yet society kind of tells us that that's what we should aspire to. Oh, so true, right? So true. Or that so it's even I'm, possible. I'm going to wrap up this segment and come back to uh, a concept that is really dear to my heart, and that's this idea that um, leaders taking the mind of the scientist rather than the mind of the expert. Mm. So, so uh, we will return with that idea in just a minute. Uh, This is Maureen Metcalf and Paul Pierce talking about living in possibility. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. 
or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back. Innovative leaders driving thriving organizations. So before break, Paul and I were talking about this idea that as leaders, we often think we need to have all of the answers. And as employees, also this sense that we've got to be perfect and get it right. And yet in this very dynamic environment in which we're working, um, for me, it seems imperative that leaders let go of that need to be right, and yet we need to be directionally correct, right? We can't be just ridiculous. And so taking, moving from having the answers to having a hypothesis and conducting experiments, and Paul, this ties back then also to your getting different points of view. In an experiment, I need points of view. I don't need to be right. So can you talk to that a little bit? And you know what? I think that is so hard to do for leaders. Um, and and I, I just wanted to, to underline that. I, I think that one of the, the traps that leaders fall into is that they have to be right. And, and if they're not, they'll make things up to be right. Um, because, you know, their egos are involved and they feel that that's, that's their role. Instead of, as you mentioned, and I love the, the phrase of a scientist, is that when we start to, to play and ask questions, well, what about this? Or how would, it, how would this work? Or if we could have it any way we wanted it to be, what would it look like? Um, you know, those kinds of great questions that scientists ask can, can most easily, I, I think, be uh, attributed and used by folks in leadership positions uh, to be able to experiment and, and explore. Um, I think part of the essence of, of being a leader is trying to create space and trying to create the environments for conversations that matter to happen. And so one of the ways that I think we can do that is by asking good questions, by not falling into the trap of, I, I need to be right. I had a, a, a supervisor of mine when I worked at the University of Miami, Jim Smart, and he said uh, a piece of advice that I've never forgotten. And he asked me, Paul, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? And, um, and there are some times when I, when I need to be right, and there are some times when I would much rather be happy. But it was really interesting of putting that in perspective of the energy that we take sometimes of, of needing to be right um, uh, to the point of not being able to back out or, or admit that we're wrong or admit that we made a mistake. Um, and some of the, the, the best stories that I know that I've heard in, in corporate America and in the higher ed are when a leader says, you know what, I really messed that up. I was wrong. And, uh, and, and how, do we, how do we change that? And so I think that approach, especially in, in our times now of, of being a, a, a scientist and really, really thinking about what's new, what's possible, I think it directly correlates with, uh, with adopting um, and living in possibility. So I love the way you use those words. Thank you. So, so let's now talk about the idea of living in possibility and go a little deeper to how does that connect to leadership and why does it matter? Yeah, you bet. Um, I, I will uh, share a story uh, typically about that. Um, I, uh, fortunately, uh, in my role here, will get communication from the young people that attend our programs, and they'll send me a, an email or they'll send me a note uh, in the mail. And I, and I typically will get about one a week that tells me about um, the experience that they had and how in many ways it, it changed their life. 
Now, now, when you hear that and when I share that story, people go, oh, man, that's really cute, right? How nice that they would do that. But when you really think about it, what that, that, that does is one thing that really is, is in many ways kind of awful. And the awful piece about that is it tells you that you actually can make a difference, that you actually, it, it is possible in your work to change someone's life or to change the direction of an organization or to achieve wonderful things. When you think about that, that is so, um, can be so overwhelming because then you have no excuse. You know, you're, you're not able to go through life thinking that I'm just clocking in at nine and clocking out at five and it's, and it's not going to make a difference. Um, I recognize I'm in a unique position in terms of, of what, we're, what we're doing, but I think that that, that that plays itself out in so many leadership roles and when people do that is to never forget the impact and the influence that we have on people to do amazing things and to get the best out of people, to create environments that people can do that. And I think as a leader, that's what we really want to create for, for folks. I mean, you know, people can find a, a job and they can make money and they can, you know, show up and and do good work and then leave. But I think what people really want these days is they want meaning in their lives. I think that's why you see concepts like resiliency and you see mindfulness and you, and you see people really thinking about, you know, what is it that I want to accomplish with my time? And um, as a leader, we can help bring that connection to work. We can bring that connection to people's personal lives and try as best as we can to kind of blur that line. Uh, I know that I would much rather have a team of people that were living their passion and living their purpose uh, than I would have a, a group of employees that were just kind of clocking in and clocking out and then pursuing those things um, out of work. I think you, you see that in a lot of tech companies, a lot of other companies that, you know, they're giving people time to pursue what's important to them. Um, so that's the connection I see in, in terms of, of of being a leader of, that has embraced this, this idea of possibility and the difference it can make in our organizations. So I want to build on that by referencing it back again to Jim Ritchie Dunham's work and this um, harmonic vibrancy or organizational vibrancy. And the questions that he looks at are things like, um, are we, do I know what excites the people on my team? Do I understand what their greatest strengths are? And am I looking for ways inside of work and out to connect them with their passion? And as you've said, created an, creating an environment where people can really, to the extent appropriate, do what they're best at and what they feel good about, understanding that we also have to show up and do the stuff like of filling course, out timesheets, yeah. and I don't know anyone who loves, you know, the administrative <laughs> stuff, right? So true, you bet. Well, and, and I think that that is, um, you know, that starts with us. Actually, I, I think that you know um, uh, the work that you're speaking about and, and and those concepts is that for us to be able to know those things of our, our employees, I think our employees also need to know those things of us. And so, you know, how do how do we show up in in that space? How are we showing up in the groups that that we lead or the groups that we're a part of? You know, how willing am I to to share and bring my authentic self uh, to that? I th- I think when we when we really start to kind of role model that and start to live in possibility as leaders, I think people will see that. And I, for one, know that I, I learn much better when I watch someone actually practice what they preach than, as opposed to mm-hmm. just hearing them speak. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I realize I can be extremely private at times. 
and so there's a lot that I think I don't share, and yet I teach this stuff. And so it's interesting to see where where am I willing to show my passion? Because then if I fall short, I feel like I failed. Yeah, so, so true. it is an interesting opportunity to role model for others those things that are most difficult for us. Some things well, are easy for me to share, but there are others that are really pretty close to my heart and pretty private that I'm I'm less inclined to to talk about, certainly not on, on the radio, right? Yeah, well, I, I totally agree with you. And I think there's a fine line between oversharing and, <laughs> and sharing, right? Because, I mean, yeah. you know, we've all been in those situations where someone said, ah, that's just probably a little bit over the line, right, um, of just being who they are. And, and there is a that's, – that's part of the emotional intelligence, I think, of, of being a leader is kind of knowing what you share, what you don't, and how you feel comfortable with that, how that shows up authentically. I think that – you know, you've we, we've seen all kinds of um, you know sitcoms based on this of a, of a you know it makes me think of, of people that really try hard just to share or do icebreakers or team builders and think that that's just going to solve everything um, and it's it comes across about as phony as you possibly could be right and so uh, one of the one of the ways for us to do this is do it in a way that we show up and 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 bring ourselves uh, to at least be open. Um, to mm-hmm. to sharing and letting other people kind of do the the same thing. So so let's build on this a little bit more. We've talked about how to create that environment, and, and my question is really how do we get teams to to yeah. live in this space of possibility? And you talked about uh, um, modeling it, being authentic. Is there anything else you would recommend for listeners who are trying to? not only see possibility in themselves, but also shift the culture a bit of their teams. Yeah, and I would definitely um, uh, think that one of the ways we can do it is to try to d- not diminish the role of leader, but increase the, the, the role of teammate. Um, and so as uh, as a leader in an organization, you have responsibilities. There's things that, that you're asked to do that um, that you have responsibility to do. But when we're working with a, with a team of folks that we want to create, um, you know, a possibility and try to get creative and try to see what it is that we could accomplish, I think when we approach it as being a good teammate and being a good follower uh, and leader, that we can demonstrate those behaviors uh, in that way. I, th- I think that anybody in that situation, it's really hard to, to live in possibility when someone says, you know, that you have to live in possibility, and they tell you, and we kind of <laughs> give instructions for that, right? Uh, yeah. No one really buys into that. But when I kind of roll up my sleeves and I give up a little bit of my power, uh, give up a little bit of my voice, um, give up a, a little bit of my need to be in in front of the room and 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 taking responsibility and 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 actually taking credit for what we're able to do. I think when we demonstrate that from a from a get go, I think it sets a tone in a team that no one is um, is above or or below another. That there's we're all going to come up with good ideas and not anybody owns uh, the market in terms of uh, one way or the other. I think that's first and and foremost. And then I think that there is um, societally. I think that people now really want to belong to something. I mean, you look at, at Facebook and Twitter and blogs and, and everything, people um, want to feel like they are experiencing life together and not mm-hmm. just by themselves. I mean, heck, you look at binge watching or anything on TV and then you watch social media after that and people that are complete strangers are sharing their feelings and, and being scared to death at The Walking Dead or, 
Game of Thrones or anything, right? And so I think we're longing to be a part of something that adds meaning to our lives because it is so easy for us to become isolated. It's so easy for us to just go home and, and, and live in a silo. So I, I think that when we approach those, those kinds of teams, like this is an opportunity for us to do something together that could be memorable, that could be impactful, that could be a game changer. I, I think people want to be a part of that. I, I think that that is uh, um, something that is missing so much in, in our lives. So I think those two things, right, you know, playing as a teammate and, and really recognizing that we all want to be a part of something special. You know, I love the idea that, uh, of course, I can you know, go to work and punch a clock and do stuff that I'm told and do a good job at it. Yeah. Or I can be part of a team that is truly making a change in the world. Uh, and the, the felt sense of we collectively are doing something that matters, it's a totally different experience. Yeah. I don't want to leave, not that I don't want to go home to my home environment, but I don't want to leave that thing that's meaningful. Uh, so true. You know, we, we did some work um, with an appliance company, um, and we're talking about this this concept, and it, and it was hard for some of your young management trainees to be excited about, um, uh, you know, selling refrigerators, right? And you could tell when I was talking to them, they, <laughs> they were struggling company. with that. Yeah, right. And then uh, one of them got up and said, you know what we really do is that we create time and space for families to be together. You know, our appliances wow. take away some work that allow them to be around a dinner table or whatever to be able to spend time together. And you could have you heard a pin drop when they said that in the room. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, people want to be a part of that. You know, people want to be a part of something that, uh, that they feel um, emotional about, you know, that they get a little passion um, in, in their work. So at that point, with that as as the kind of the wrap up thought, uh, let's go into a little bit of a wrap up. So first, can you give us the leadership site and kind of the thirty second? What do you do, and why would someone reach out? You bet. Um, so our website's uh, leadershape.org, uh, L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-A-P-E.org, and we are a nonprofit that focuses on ethics-based leadership programs, and our vision is to create a just, caring, thriving world. Uh, and we try to do that by having more people that lead with integrity and embrace this concept we've been talking about, Maureen, of living in possibility. Um, and so uh, through our, our programs and through our messaging, that's what we're trying to create, is we're really trying to create a, uh, a community and a place where people feel they can be their best selves. Um, and so you. it's a passion of mine that I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying and would encourage anybody that wants to learn more about it to visit our website. Thank you so much, Paul. And, and so for our listeners, please reach out. Give us feedback. Reach out to Paul with questions. We'll post a blog that gives a little bit more information. And email me. You can reach me either at info at metcalf-associates.com or on Facebook, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You can follow me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear your feedback. At today's show focusing specifically on possibility, I would love to hear what is, what is your biggest possibility? What's most exciting to you? And as you reach out, we will share your questions on air. Thank you very much. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.